0: Welcome to Liquid Church Audio. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered at Liquid by Pastor Tim Lucas. LiquidChurch.com, Living Water for a Thirsty Generation. Now we're live on the web. It is time for a little March Madness for those of you basketball fans. This is your favorite time of year, probably. The next three weeks of college hoops promises to have many highlights. Anyone watch it this week? You watch a little bit of the, of the NCAA, yeah, men's basketball, see Rocco, thank you. Uh, and what I love about those is that you kind of have those, you know, those, those shots from out of nowhere, those, those, those buzzer beater buckets, those down-to-the-wire overtime finales. Uh, how many of you are actually basketball fans? Can just see a show of hands, smattering of, of basketball fans? Yeah, who, who do you like? Who's your favorite in this uh, NCAA? Who's your favorite? Exactly. Carolina. Kentucky, Carolina, who else? Tech, thank you. Longhorns, right here. Who's Longhorns? Come on, let's get a little, little steer there. Um, you know, I, I know this is a baseball jersey, too, which tells you a little bit something about my knowledge. But whether you're, whether you're a Hoops fan or not, you can't you know, help but watch when the March Madness unfolds, because I'm actually not a huge basketball fan. I know you can't tell that from my skills on the opening video. But at this time of year, I do tune in to, and watch College Hoops, because... When that sweet 16 gets kind of whittled down, I love the drama. It's just so cool to watch because so many of the games it kind of come down to the last seconds, and suddenly it's like some unknown freshman from Wisconsin makes this like last-minute, you know, buzzer beater, and he's like a national hero, kind of thrust in the spotlight. And what's neat is that in college basketball, for the most part, there are no huge stars, you know, like in the NBA. It's not like up to one guy or one superstar to carry the team. It's really all about strategy. It's like the game in its purest form. It's about mapping out a strategic game plan that puts the team... In the best position to win when it comes down to the wire. And it's a game of inches and almost, you know, the scores are like 86-85 and you can win with a last minute free throw from the foul line. Or teams can come out of like nowhere and pour it on with a flurry of like three-point Rainmakers, you know, from downtown. That happened with Ohio State in their victory over Central Connecticut in the southern region. It's interesting to see what the coach said. Check this out. He said, we didn't go into the game saying, let's knock down uh, out threes, Ohio State. Thad Maida said to reporters, they were just kind of there. In other words, a strategy made it possible. The guys were open and they just did a good job of kind of knocking them down. I said, Butler, who hit five of six from beyond the arc, said the key was Ohio State's ability to move inside on the Blue Devils' zone. And then kick the ball outside. We penetrated the zone. We got in the paint and found the open man. And some of you are like, I have no idea what that means. But that's strategy. <laughs> we stepped up and we knocked down the shots. That's what a good strategy can do. It sets you up to win. To be successful as a team. And forethought and preparation are the precursors to what some people call luck. <laughs> I think it was Samuel Goldwyn who said, that, it's funny, the harder I work, the luckier I seem to get. That's what a good strategy does. You prepare a game plan that positions you to be successful when it's crunch time. And you need the right shot at the right moment. Whether in basketball it's a layup, a free throw, a three pointer. And if you're prepared, here's the deal. It can mean the difference between winning or losing. The same is true when it comes to spiritual faith. That is, success in your life spiritually or in the, in the life of a church like this, corporately doesn't just happen by chance, okay? The churches that you, that, you, that you see out there that are kicking butt and taking names for God, they aren't effective just by, like, chance. Like, I guess God showed up or something. He's just blessing that church over there, but this one just kind of stinks. It's just limping, limping along. Too bad, you know, I guess God has favorites. No. There's a game plan in place. For instance, Liquid, as a contemporary church in the 21st century, our mission as a church is to lead people. That means to be intentional about leading them, our, our generation, into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. In other words, if you're new, our goal as a church is to actually spread the gospel, to spread the good news that, you know what, God is not angry, he is not distant, he is not uninvolved in your life, he's not actually judgmental towards humanity as some have made him out to be. Part of our message is that's a distortion. In reality, God has actually withheld his judgment at this moment and instead is reaching out with mercy, compassion, and grace For any man, any woman who would simply call on his name. Doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, you matter to God. God loves you, and he wants you in his family. In fact, God so deeply wants to be a father to you, to call you his child, that he's actually spanned heaven and earth by sending his son Jesus to be your savior, to free your heart, to forgive your sins, to actually fill you up with his own spirit and change you forever. New life, no strings attached. I mean, that's why Jesus came. That's why at Easter we're going to celebrate he died. He rose again. He rose again after to conquer sin and death forever and give new life to anyone who would simply ask him to be their Lord. That's good news, yes? Yeah, okay. Now because that's such good news, you'd think Christians like us would have an easier time spreading it because it, it's a message everybody needs, but not everyone is ready to hear. And sometimes, although it's changed many of our lives, it's not always the most natural thing to talk about, is it? Even with friends or close family. You kind of have to be intentional about it, and that often makes it awkward. I mean, so many of us are just like, you know, forget it. You know, it's like, all right, to lead a generation into a growing relationship with Jesus, that's awesome, Uh, Pastor Tim. Hey, that's why we hired you. Go for it, man. Go get him, Tiger. Love the jersey. Rooting for you. No. (laughs) No, it's not that easy. It is our mission together. It's the mission that Jesus passed along to every one of his followers to go into the whole world and announce the gospel in our circles of influence. And the interesting thing is, Jesus came up with a game plan. That is, before he left, he didn't like just drop this like outlandish you know, global mission on his disciples. You guys go win the world. <laughs> and say, you know, global evangelism, church, hey, go for it. <laughs> Rather like a good coach, better yet, as a master strategist, Jesus gave his disciples, the early ones as well as us, the modern ones, a game plan to execute in winning the world to Christ. Just like in sports, winning doesn't happen by chance, and uh, there's not a strategy that pulls together individuals into a team to accomplish corporately something none of them can do individually. Same thing spiritually. I want to share with you one verse tonight, just one verse, one verse from the book of Acts, Acts 1, chapter 1, verse 8, to show you what I'm talking about. If you locate in your Bible, there's one verse. We'll have it up on the screen so you don't even have to turn. But if you do, you'll notice that the words are in red, Some words are in red in here, and you're like, why why is that highlighted? That's Jesus speaking here. And he's talking to his disciples after he's been raised to life or resurrected, but before he's ascended. That means returned to heaven. Acts chapter 1. You'll notice the first two verses. uh, Actually, Luke wrote this because you got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Luke was a physician, and then he wrote Acts. Like, I'm going to record what actually happened, the action, after Jesus left. And in the first two verses, Luke says this. He goes, in my former book, that's the one called Luke, Um, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day that he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. In other words, Luke says, I'm writing down here in this book the final instructions or the commands or the strategies or the game plan that Jesus gave verbally to us, his team, before he left the world. And this is important See, because the disciples were a little bit freaked out at the thought of Jesus leaving. It was like, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, dude, don't, don't go, don't leave us alone. Wait, what are we going to do without you? We can't even get along with each other, let alone like fan out into like the community and the corners of the, the world to be your witnesses. And Jesus was like, all right, just z- z- zip it, chill, Peter. Uh, I'm not leaving you alone. You're not going to be orphans. You're not going to be a team without a coach. Rather, there's a game plan that I am going to give you. It's not complex, it's very simple. And if you follow my divine instructions together as a team, I'm going to guarantee success. Not so much because any skills or like strengths that you guys individually bring to the table, but rather because of what I'm going to pour into you and then enable you to do. You will actually know when it is time for a free throw, a layup, or a three-pointer. If you just follow my instructions, and now some of you are like totally confused. You're like... Dude, March Madness has gone to your head. (laughs) Let me show you what I'm talking about. He he tells them to stay where they are. He's like, stay locally, don't leave Jerusalem, and then check this out. Skip down to verse 8. It's our only verse tonight. And he said to them, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, don't breeze over this. This is a simple strategy, but something profound is embedded here. Do you see it? He says to his disciples, "After I leave, but before you launch out on your own, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you." In other words, here's the deal: this isn't all on your shoulders, guys. Evangelizing the world is not up to you. You, 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 twelve. There, I mean, there's twelve of you on the team. Actually, eleven. One never graduated. It's another message. Honestly, you don't. <laughs> I'm just going to be upfront with you. You guys suck. You don't have what it takes to accomplish my father's mission of spreading the good news of God's love to the whole world. But here's the deal. I'm giving you something. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. That is the Spirit of God himself, my spirit, to fill you and give you strength and wisdom that you're going to need for the task ahead. So you're not alone. You're not to attempt this in your own strength, but wait for the filling and power of the Holy Spirit. And that is the supernatural force given by God into the heart and life of every believer the moment they make the decision to follow Jesus. Now watch. Once you're suited up for the game, here's how it's going to play out. You will be my witnesses in, let's say it together, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Anyone see a pattern, a game plan embedded in the seemingly innocuous phrase? You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of of the earth. In other words, his final instructions to disciples for leading the whole world into a growing relationship with God, he describes in a series of ever widening circles. You get this? Jesus was saying the gospel is going to spread geographically. From Jerusalem, that's where they were, that was their hometown. When he told them this, he said, Don't even leave. Stay local. Start with the peeps in your hood. Jerusalem, local. But then you go across the street, actually out to the surrounding regions, which are called Judea and Samaria. That would be like, and then to Somerset in Morris County, and maybe even down the shore to Lavalette and Seaside. <laughs> Judea and Samaria, the regions of the Middle East that surround Jerusalem. And then he says, and then finally the three-pointer from like way, way back, way back, I mean to the ends of the earth. It's brilliant. It's quite simple, all at once. In other words, Jesus is giving these disciples, and us, these disciples today, a game plan for spreading the gospel, and get this, it follows ever-widening circles of influence in our daily lives. For these disciples, it meant um, that it was going to begin with the Jews in Jerusalem. I mean, in other words, he's talking to these guys who are already Jews, and he's like, you're already close to other Jews, aren't you? You have established friendships with them. You have some com- things in common, and this is where Jesus' strategy of evangelism begins. He's like, start with your close peers, people who you are naturally in relationship with. You share a close friendship. It's kind of a layup. <laughs> then, then you're going to spread out to the mixed race in Samaria, and the Samaritans were people who Jewish people had like kind of a nominal connection, like they lived in the same area, maybe not so quite close as family, but they were a geographical proximity. They brushed shoulders with them from time to time on the way to work. And then finally, the gospel would be offered to the Gentiles. In other words, people who Jews had virtually no connection with. People had never even heard of God before in their lives. They just thought there were all these, you know, gods out there in the universe. And and he's like, it's going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, people who haven't even heard my name before. And slowly we begin to see Jesus' game plan emerge. That is, he tells us that God's loving message was most naturally and divinely inspired to be communicated via ever-widening circles Of influence. In basketball terms, the strategy would look like this. You start close to home with people you know. A, layup. You ever do a layup right off the backward? In other words, who do you know that it would be like the easiest, most natural thing to talk with about how I've changed your life? Like, I mean, slam dunk. It's like, you know, you gotta, you got to be a fool to miss, like, a layup. I mean, I, you know, we had to film it a couple times because I kept, you know, trying to miss the layup, and then, like, it kept going in. I was like, dude, this is too easy. I don't know. And Mike's like, step out a thing. And I step it back and then and I just start clanking it off the rim. But a layup is, like, easy. And Jesus is like, start locally, okay, in Jerusalem. Now, now move back a little bit. Move, move like, when you ever do a free throw, a free throw is actually from about 15 feet out. Shaquille O'Neal, you know what his free throw percentage is? hovers around 50%, sometimes he actually goes below 50%. One out of two. A free throw, in other words, people who are a little bit farther away, 50-50, maybe you share a connection with them, maybe they're not as close as like a layup, but you have a relationship with them that you actually could leverage to share the news of Christ. And then in the closing seconds, I want you out past the ark. I want you to go for it to the ends of the earth, and send up a three-pointer to people who don't know God very well. Or maybe you don't even know that well. But this is how we're going to win. Because this is the plan. This is the divine strategy, my final instructions. Close in shot, medium shot, long shot. You will be my witnesses in Morristown, in Morris County, and in New Jersey, in the Tri-State area, and to the ends of the earth. And folks, that is the template. The game plan that Jesus actually instructed, and what we're actually going to follow as we launch out on Easter Sunday in just three weeks. Um, This is our Easter launch strategy (laughs) for April 8th, and this is how we're not just going to launch successfully as a church in Morristown, but how we're going to successfully expand the kingdom of God in our circles of influence here in New Jersey and beyond. Because each of you here tonight is influential. Do you believe that? Some of you are like me. Not, not, me. Not a little old me. Influence. What, what can I do? Lean in. There are people in your life. People whom God has intentionally put you into relationship with. Some of them are as close as your family. Some of them are as close as your coworkers or a classmate from school, and then some of them that God has put you in a relationship are, are a little bit farther out. You know that lady that you work with who's kind of annoying, but she's always hanging around your desk and, like, you bump into each other at the copier? Yeah, her. Or that guy from the gym. You only see him once a week and kind of miss every now and then, but, you know, every time we do, we just kind of pick right up. And some of them that God has put you in a relationship with are actually far off, like your old college roommate, we haven't talked in years, that don't know, none of these people know the good news that They matter. That they matter to God, and they actually that they matter to you. That God has given the life of his own son for them, and intentionally put you in their path to make that incredible news known. Those of you who've been at Liquid for the last year know that we try to make evangelism, that's a fancy word for like just telling people about Jesus, what's going on. Um, accessible for everyone. We don't have a special evangelism ministry. You won't see like, oh, the evangelism class at Liquid. Um, no, because we believe it's actually everyone's responsibility that if you're a follower of Christ, one of the things that that means is that you're going to naturally reach out to others. And it's not crazy hard. Sometimes we make it that way thinking we have to explain everything there is to know about God. Like, oh my gosh, evangelism is like, I don't know theology. I don't even know sometimes where we're turning the Bible. no. <laughs> The thought of it can be pretty intimidating, and so what happens then is we fret, we worry, and eventually it's just like, oh, I can't, I can't do this. I, that's why we got professionals. Uh, don't even bother. It's too hard. No. That's because we make it too hard. And that's the reason why our evangelism strategy at Liquid is very simple. It's three words. We call it invest and, anyone remember, invite. And the idea is simple. All we ask of people who go to our church is that they do two things. Ready? Here we go. Surf shattering. That you actually take the time during your week to build trust-based relationships with unchurched friends and coworkers. Now it doesn't have to be like deep and profound, but you're just showing them that I'm not a total nut. You can trust me, it's okay. We're like friends, I'm not always jumping all over you about Jesus and everything. But we actually just have a friendship. And then B, invite them to church, and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to do the rest. I know, it's complicated. Invest and invite. Invest in trust-based friendships with those around you who actually don't share your faith. In other words, don't get in the bubble and say, well, I only hang out with other people who kind of agree with me and kind of like look at the world like I do. No, I actually intentionally have relations with people who don't agree with me at all because that's not what it's about. It's about me showing the love of Christ. And I would love... The reason I'm not always around on Sundays is because I'm over at Liquid. And they say, what is Liquid? Exactly. For perhaps the first time they come and they hear for the first time that they matter to God. And that he loves them. And that there's actually nothing in life more relevant to modern life than a vibrant faith in Christ. I know, it seems like too simple. But we have a core belief at Liquid. That life change has an incredible chance of happening. When God's people leverage the natural friendships... That God's given them with non-believers, and then simply invite them into this environment, not so that I can convince them that so God's Spirit can do something, where they experience God's presence in our worship. I mean, when someone comes into our worship for the first time, they say, "What is going on here?" I was kind of crying. I was like, "Oh yeah, I know David's voice was off." No, no, I was just like crying. It was like it was amazing. I don't. You, well, you know the songs? No, I don't. Even, what what is that music? I don't even know what that is. What is that? They've walked. Into the forest field called the presence of God among his people. And they're touched. Maybe they hear for the first time that God welcomes them back no matter actually where they've been or what they've done. But actually this isn't about guilt and shame. We believe that once they get here, once people enter the Morristown Hyatt on April 8th, that God's spirit is actually going to do what he says and he's going to touch them. And that we're not actually, we got the easy job. We're just going to provide like some, some, some great music, a message, some media, and we're just going to create an accessible, relevant environment where they can take a step, however tentative, towards God. Maybe for the first time, maybe after some time away. Maybe they've been gone from church for a long time. They dropped out. But you seem like you have something different. That's why at least four times a year, we use popular culture to build a bridge to non-believers. You guys know that. We use popular music, movies, books, media, to find a common connection And use a language that people are familiar with to communicate a timeless message that God cares. No matter how sad and painful and empty your life is, God cares and we care. There's hope, there's grace, there's salvation, there's joy. And people who are actually living in the world with you, they're not of the world, but they are in it. And they are for you. And God is for you. You remember our series from last summer, Finding Faith in Rock and Roll? How many of you came to that? Remember that? Yeah, all right. Yeah, some of you came for the first time and you never left. We use music by U2, the Beatles, Rolling Stones. We even used, I think, Foreigner to help folks invite the music lovers in their life back to church. And it was incredibly effective. It was the first time we broke the 600 barriers of church in August. Well, this Easter, April 8th, we have something planned that we think is going to do even greater things. And your bulletins, everyone got the bulletin? Take out the bulletin for just a second there. You'll notice there's a car that looks like this. It's not quite this size, but it's yellow. And you see some people running for a bus. Who knows where that's from? Little Miss Sunshine. You remember that? You probably just saw it on the Oscars. You likely noticed there was an invite card announcing the new message series that's going to kick us off our Easter launch. Glimpses, Hollywood Jesus, glimpses of God on the silver screen. Anybody here, now please participate. Anybody here watch 24? Oh! What are you Christians doing watching TV? Shit. The flock is sick. I don't... (laughs) Anyone here watch Lost? Who watches Lost? Okay? Anyone here have a friend who watches 24 or Lost? Yeah. (laughs) Each of us knows somebody. And this spring, we're going to take three blockbuster films, three primetime hits, and actually look at the character of God and spiritual faith through the lives of film. Because did did you notice this? I don't know if you guys even noticed this. Sometimes secular media unknowingly echoes the story of God whether they know it or not. Have you noticed that the questions that some of these shows are asking, that some of the spiritual themes that popular movies are taking off on? I'll show you what I'm talking about. Let's dim the lights. I want to give you a sneak peek. This is the spring premiere of what is in store in two weeks on April 8th at our Easter lunch. Go ahead and roll the teaser for us, would you, Jen? father who lives out in the heavens somewhere who looks down on the world and sees the disordered mess of hurt and pain and brokenness called humanity and says I'm going to do something. My son, they just lack a great light to show them the way. And for this reason, above all else, I am sending them you. My only son. That's an amazing idea for a movie. Lights, camera, God. The movies and TV shows we love say a lot about our hopes, heartaches, and desires as people. They also raise a lot of questions about God and spirituality. But beyond the buttered popcorn, what are the stories trying to tell us? Hollywood Jesus, join us on Sundays this spring as we explore the character of God and spiritual faith as seen through the lens of blockbuster movies and primetime hits. In most stories, there is more going on than meets the eye. Just like Life, <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. We, when we, to kick off our debut in Morristown, we're going to take six weeks to present the character of God, God unveiled, and what he did in sending Jesus and paint a picture of authentic faith that is compelling, that is relevant, and is a language that people understand and are familiar with and is specially designed To connect with people who maybe have never even been in church or are just returning and wonder, will they speak my language? (laughs) Especially designed to connect with non-believing friends in your life. How many of you you watch The Office? The Office, brilliant show. How many of you struggle with your job? (laughs) The mindlessness of work. Does God really even care about my job? Yeah, (laughs) great question. The office raises that to a boiling point. 24. What I love about 24 is the question that it raises. not even just, you know, you got Jesus and Jack Bauer on here. But, but, you know, we live in a world of terrorism, of violence. Where in the world is God in a world gone mad? Shawshank Redemption. Anyone ever seen this? Yeah, probably my favorite movie of all time. I was just kind of like, oh, good, I don't even have to write a message. We're just going to show the film. No sermon. <laughs> even Little Miss Sunshine, which has a profound message about the power of grace and forgiveness in the lives of broken people. Anyone here have a dysfunctional family? Or, no, or have a friend who's in a dysfunctional family? <laughs> invite them to this. They'll, they'll, they'll fit right in our church where we like to say, no perfect people allowed. This is their ticket in. This is your invite from God. And notice, you have one. But if you go back to the game plan... The shot calls for three. Who has God put into your life, into your Jerusalem, into your Judea and Samaria, that he wants you to invite you to church this this Easter? Remember the sequence? Jerusalem is like, start small, act locally with people you know you've got close relationships with. You know you go over a house actually to watch 24. Come on, lay up. Judea, Samaria, region. Just extend your reach. People you have a connection through, you know, other ways, work or school. And to the ends of the earth, who, who would it be, what would it be like, who would it be a real stretch to reach in your life? Like, you'd have to really reach to, 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 to connect with them. But it's worth a shot, because it's like a three-pointer challenge. When the ball drops on April 8th, will you take a risk and invite three people, take three strategic shots at expanding the kingdom of God, and trust that God's going to do the rest? And would you invite three people in the sequence that Jesus gave us in Acts? One in close range, your close friends. One medium, you have a relationship, would be leveraging it. It's kind of like take it to the next level. It's a little bit of a stretch. And one long shot. You could take a risk and give this Hollywood Jesus invite card and invite them to church. Because this is our strategy and we ripped it out of the playbook of Christ. <laughs> layup. I'll tell you who my layup is. Her name is Diane and her first name is Aunt. My Aunt Diane. <laughs> I am like, okay, Aunt Diane, She sometimes she'll pop in and everything, but she kind of doesn't always have a church she's going to and everything. We have a pretty close pre-existing relationship, and I'm thinking if her nephew, her only one and only nephew, <laughs> invites her on Easter to come to church, I'm thinking 90% chance, okay? I may clank it off the, the, the rim, but, but I'm like her nephew. It's like a slam dunk. Come on. You can't say no. I mean, this is, this is kind of easy for me. That's my layup. Now, who would be my free throw if I had to move like 15 feet from the basket and like, all right, I have a relationship with them. But this is kind of like, this is like taking a real next step. And it probably is like, they have like a 50% chance of coming. Remember Marco? told you about my buddy Marco. Marco is the guy who makes my bacon, egg, and cheese on a roll every Wednesday. Yeah, I know. Just back off, nutritionist. He makes it every Wednesday, and we become friends at the Green Village Deli, and every week we talk. We talk about everything. We discuss family, faith. He's like, discovered I'm a pastor. I tried to, like, avoid the whole thing, but he's, like, got a lot of questions about our church. He's actually, he grew up Catholic, and, and, and he kind of, like, goes on and off, but when he discovered, he's like, tell me about, the, you, you. wait, you have kids in your church? I was like, we have an incredible kids program. All of a sudden, he's all ears. He's like, you know, maybe I'll have to stop by sometime, you know, check it out. I was like, you know what? That, yeah, all right. Why not? That'd be great. Um, you know, in a few weeks, we're even, you ever go on Easter? Oh, yeah, we always have to go on Easter. You gotta, like, get dressed up and go, this is the best part. You can wear jeans on Easter. Who knew? Marco is my free throw. For Colleen, I was asking Colleen. She was like, well, I'm gonna invite our neighbors across the street. They actually just moved in a few months ago. Their names are Mark and Nicole. They're wonderful people. They're actually, I think they're they're nicer than us. He, like, shoveled our walk the other day. Where I was just like, you outgraced me, man. Come on. He's like, came out and shoveled her walk, and uh, and she invited Nicole over. Actually, she had a little Oscars party, and and she can't seem to enjoy it. She's like, little Miss Sunshine. And this is a next step. I mean, this this is actually risking something. We don't know them that well. They just moved in. It's a it's a familiar relationship. They're kind of casual friends. But Colleen's like, I'm gonna put it out there. I'm gonna say, do you want to do you want to come check check it out with come, come to our church on Easter? Maybe we'll go out for lunch after. Okay, who's my three pointer? my long shot. I mean, this is from far away. This is like not a high level of probability, at least for me, <laughs> but it would score huge points if they came. Check this out. Um, I get an email last week from out of nowhere from Joe Pank. You don't know Joe Pank. You're not here, right, Joe Pank? I don't think so. We haven't spoken in about a year and a half. We were high school buddies. We played baseball together. That's my thing. Basketball, note, not so much. Out of nowhere, I get this email. It says, Joe P. And it says, want to come? And I'm like, what? What? And I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's Joe Joe Pang. And and, and the email is very short. It just says, hey, dude, haven't spoken. A bunch of us are going down to Atlantic City over the weekend to gamble. (laughs) Want (laughs) to (laughs) come? And I'm like looking at him, it's like, sort of. Um, (laughs) No, no, I work on Sundays. No, no, I can't. (laughs) Um... I, dude, I, I can't, but but I just replied. I was like, dude, I I can't. I'm actually I'm usually I'm usually busy on Sundays. I like, always have to work. Um, but actually, <laughs> do you, do you want to get together? Like, we'll have lunch. And like, you, in fact, do you want to come see where I work? <laughs> You're not going to believe this. A lot has changed since high school. I know, I know. This is, this is a long shot. That, that's why it's called a three-pointer. There's not a high probability of this happening. But if Joe Pank comes, man, this could be a game changer in his life. I mean, even as I've been talking, I'm guessing that faces are coming to the minds of some of you. You know who I'm talking about. That girl who sits across from you at work or school. She's like a kind of medium-range free throw. Or your Uncle Jack. You're like, no, talk about a layup. He's a CEO, Christmas, Easter only. So let's do it, Jack. Come with me to Liquid on Easter. Slam dunk. Or your buddy at the gym. Or the mom across the street. You know them. They know you. There's a budding relationship there. Could you take the risk of intentionally inviting them to go one level deeper and see if they join you this spring for a Hollywood Jesus series? And I mean, by the way, talk about a layup sermon sermon series. I mean, folks, this isn't going verse by verse through Obadiah, okay? As interesting as that would be. No offense. (laughs) It's as easy as, hey, my church is doing the series on movies and shows we watch and, like, the questions they raise about, like, God and faith. You want to go? Better yet, you want to watch Lost Together <laughs> this week and then, like, go on Sunday? And you know what they're going to say? They're going to be like, what kind of church is this? <laughs> and your answer is pretty easy. I, I can't explain. Come and see. That's all Jesus ever said. Come and see. It's casual, there are accepting people, there's a kick in band. The minister's a bit of a whack, but you'll like it. No pressure. You think you can do that? Jesus thought so. He thought enough of his original disciples and us, his modern day ones, that he actually put the ball in our hands and he said, I've given you the strategy. Now, play the game. In your bulletin, you likely found that there are some other cards. You're like, wait, there's a paper clip in my bulletin. Do you see this? These mini white index cards are about half the size of an index card. See that? You can take those out there. In the book of Revelation, it's kind of interesting. We're told that the names of God's family members are written down in the book of life. But here's the deal. The book of life is actually, at this moment, an unfinished book. Thank God. There are still lost people... That God is drawing. People who are far from God that don't even know there's hope of a better life now and in the one to come. There's still people in Jerusalem and Bridgewater. And Judea and Samaria and Hoboken and Long Island. And in Somerset County and all along the East Coast. And to the ends of the earth who have yet to hear. And God's like, who will go? Who will go for me? Now that we've been given the instruction and the challenge by Jesus himself. Will you take the ball and actually take a shot? we got three weeks actually leading up to Easter. Would you take three shots and reach out to that man, woman, or child, or family who God even brought to your mind maybe as recently as tonight? There are red pens in your pews. They're on the far end there. Could you pull those out and pass them on down? These are Sharpies. We went out, we got some Sharpies for you, and I'm going to ask you to take out those red Sharpies and to do something risky. Can I get one of those? Would you dare, even right now, not full name, just their first name, your layup, your free throw. Who are, who's your three-pointer? Who would God have you reach in Jerusalem? I told you, for me, my layup is Diane. So I'm just going to write Diane on this first one. I'll just leave off the ant. You know, we want anonymity so you don't know her. She's easy. She's going to come. Who's your free throw this Easter? This, free, th- this Easter, I'm inviting Marco, the guy at the deli. I'm writing their names in red. He makes my sandwich. I'm going to invite him to church. Colleen's going to invite Mark and Nicole. She's going to say, you guys want to come. Write their first names only. And who's your three-pointer? Joe P. He's not in Atlantic City. Now, here's the deal. They don't even have to come on Easter. Because this is a six-week series. Maybe you want to invite them to a specific week you know is going to, like, click with them. Maybe they're a huge office fan. They, like, love that. That's awesome. But you write their name down on the card. That's between you and God. But these are three people in your circle of influence that maybe, just maybe, God appointed you to reach. To invest and invite to church this Easter. What are some of the names? Just call the first names. What are some of the names? Judy. Judy. Aaron. Aaron. Christina. Christina. Tony, thank you. We're going to bring a man on Easter. Excellent. We're going to have, have a mixed group. That's good. Other names? Dennis. Dennis. These are the people that God cares about. And hopefully you care about them. They matter to you. They matter infinitely more to God. As you're writing down these, those names, it's amazing what God does behind the scenes without our knowing it when we take like a small risk, just a small risk, to leverage a friendship or relationship for eternity. Remember, this is not up to you or me or any of us to convert anybody. That's God's doing alone, but he invites us into his work of salvation by asking us to be his witnesses to people who are in our spheres of influence at strategic times. I'll give you an example. Some of you know Brennan Coughlin? Brennan, okay? He leads our catalyst group for 20-somethings. Check this out. This past Christmas, we had, remember we had that invest and invite opportunity with the nativity, that, that film? Remember, we passed out those invite cards. We challenged everyone to bring someone from their circle of influence. Well, check this out. Brennan, who was a high school history teacher, he was like, oh, man, I was hoping we were, oh, all right. God put on his heart this woman that he worked with, because I was talking about invest and invite. They weren't even close friends. But he's like, you know, I don't know that we even always get along, but I feel like God was saying, reach out to her. And so funny thing is, he goes up to her, he says, hey, you know, I know we don't know each other all that well and everything, and this is like a total shot in the dark, but... The church I go to is like, I don't know, there are people like, like me, like you, like just kind of like, you know, like accepting people. And uh, we're doing this series on activity. Anyway, it's Christmas time. Do you have any interest in coming to church? I, I, I could drive. You know, this is not a date. This is not like weird. I'm not weird. Uh, well, the greatest thing is she says, you, you know what? Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll come. H- hadn't been to church in years. But said she'd come. Well, check this out. Brennan finds out the week before... Part of the reason that she might be interested in coming back to church, because she discovered she was pregnant and her boyfriend had left town, wasn't around. What's it like to be in your 20s, pregnant, no father, no husband, all alone? So check this out, because I love God's sense of timing. She tells Brennan what Sunday she can attend, and lo and behold, guess what the sermon is on? Thoroughly modern Mary about God's choice of an unwed, pregnant teenager who he says, you're going to have a baby, not just any baby, the son of God. And although you feel like a nobody, your life has purpose and meaning and infinite value. That was the week she came back to church for the first time. Did we plan that? Did Brennan orchestrate that? No, no, no. Get it? This is God's doing. This is the Holy Spirit stuff. All we did was create a relevant environment where Brennan felt comfortable taking a risk to shoot a free throw. <laughs> I mean, a medium-range invitation to a coworker who, quite honestly, unbeknownst to him, was at a pivotal point in her life and spiritual journey, and guess what? God's Spirit did the rest. W- what is God going to do with the names that you hold in your hands? Who are your three people? The names of the men and women whose lives might be touched by the living God because you took a risk... To invest and invite someone from your Jerusalem, from your Samaria, and your three circles of influence. Well, here's what we're going to do as we close in worship and prepare to launch. We have prepared a few crosses. Mike and and Bob, I think, and the guys, Aaron, can you make sure Mike brings those out? We have those kind of on the side there. A symbol, and the cross is a powerful symbol. You see it on most churches. a symbol of the love that God has for lost people. It's this wide people who are far from God. This is how far God went out of his way to cross the street and demonstrate his love for people who didn't even know his name. He gave his life on this cross for the people whose names you hold in your hands. And David and the team are going to come up and lead us in closing worship. And when they do, I'm going to invite everyone here tonight to actually get up out of your seat, And you're going to walk down the center aisle, just as we did last week for communion. And you are going to take a push pin. You got like 2,000 thumbtacks from Home Depot. And you're going to walk up here. And you're going to put Joe P. Not in God's crosshairs, but in the center of his eye and say, God, he matters to me. And I know he matters to you. And I'm willing to go. I'm willing to go for you. I'm going to put up Marco. I'm going to put up Diane. And those of you who didn't write any down, now you're scrambling, right? Like, oh, smokes, he's going to collect it. Oh, he's going to collect the homework. Oh, no. <laughs> These are the names of people that God misses most. Do you believe that? people Jesus gave his life for, and he put on your heart tonight. There's a reason you're thinking of her, or him, or them. So you're going to come down the center aisle, and on your way back to the seat, you'll also notice there are stacks, more and more stacks of these Hollywood Jesus cards, because we have a feeling, you'll notice, that there are, there's one of them in your bulletin. But if you do the math, you know, I don't like to do a lot of math, we're talking about three people. And so you can take a couple more. Some of you may even want to take more than that because you got game. So you take those extra cards and, um, and take as many as you need, but don't waste them. And, just, and return to your seat up the side aisle, and we're going to sing, and we're just going to thank God for all that he has done for our church so far and all he actually is going to do on Easter. Because here's the deal, folks. <laughs> no matter what we do, people are going to be touched. People who previously had no idea there was purpose and meaning in life are going to hear in a fresh and compelling way that they matter to God. And lives are going to be impacted. And in the next year, marriages are like going to be restored and hearts are going to be healed because God's people, they heard God's voice and they followed it. So we'll sing and then we'll pray. And that's how we're going to end our tenure here next week. And our last Sunday is next week in the sanctuary at Millington Baptist. And we're going to pray over these names. And just ask the Holy Spirit to go ahead of us and to pour out his power on all of us so that God blesses these men and women as they're responsive to the seeds we're planting. Sound good? who's up for some basketball. We've got the game plan. We've been given a strategy. And now it's time to work as a team following Jesus' lead. Let's pray together. Fathers, we come forward with these names. We know um, this is an act of commitment to reach the people that you care deeply about. And we care about them too, Lord. Uh, but, but this is also an act of trust. Trust in you. By by, by coming up and pinning these names to your cross, we are trusting you, Lord. That to risk reaching out and leveraging those friendships, to actually invest and invite our friends and our family and our coworkers to this church on Easter, that's an act of faith, Lord. So we choose to believe that your spirit is already working out of sight behind the scenes, preparing their hearts for our invitation. Lord, thanks for inviting us to be part of your mission. We thank, we thank you for the trust that you've placed in us. So we come to you now with names and ask you to reveal yourself this spring to men, women, and families that and you just change their lives forever, Lord. Do it by your power. Thanks for including us. Amen.